You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Y'all, this is Jules Jesse with Clapback Culture. So glad to have you in the building for another Thursday episode. Um, y'all, it has been a busy week. I think I say that every week, and literally every week is busy, but also busy in the news cycle. So there's a lot of topics I want to dive in deep with you guys. Um, I hope you guys have had a good week. We are at the tail end. Happy Friday Eve, everybody. Um yeah, y'all, let's let's go ahead and jump into it. Y'all make sure to pull up in the comments, share this stream with someone who you want to uh, listen in and chop it up with. Because again, your girl got a lot coming for you. OK, so listen, let's talk politics a little bit. You guys, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. OK, you know, he is you know, kind of teetering at the idea of running in the presidential election coming up in 2024. However, he is still keeping his seat um, and running against Charlie Christ, Christ, excuse me, Charlie Christ. Um, So he's, you know, refusing to say whether or not he's going to commit to another four years as governor, you guys. But in the debate on Monday, the two of them are going back and forth on many topics and, you know, arguing over a lot of controversial issues like abortion. Um, and of course, Ron DeSantis's main thing, critical race theory. Um, let me see. Do I have a clip of this? I have a clip of it. Let's play the clip and then we'll come back and talk about it. If you look around the country, they do have programs, unfortunately, well, they will take a student, look at their race, say, okay, you're white, you're an oppressor. If you're black, you're oppressed. And think about what that does to a six or seven-year-old kid. That's wrong. You're seeing that. You have people that are teaching, uh, and actually his running mate has said this in the past, that teaching the United States was built on stolen land. That is inappropriate for our schools. It's not true. All right, you guys. Um, I mean, I guess America is no longer stolen land. Thank God Ron DeSantis is not a historian, okay? And that he is not teaching. But this is something that we should expect. Remember, uh, DeSantis this year, earlier this year, dropped that bill called the Individual Freedom um, Bill. And it was basically said that the bill was to ignore the dark spots in American history and, and rather ensuring that people are not blamed for the sins of the past. So a lot of this rhetoric is, is surrounding around this idea of white guilt. OK, um, and in critical race theory really doesn't have anything to do with that, nor should it be taught in elementary, middle school or high schools like this is high level education. Right. So let me break it down. So CRT, you guys, for those who don't remember, because we Republicans have really amplified this message in um, in politicized it and really made it a thing when really it was a theory um, that was at a law school. I believe it was Harvard Law, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, but if I am mistaken, please drop it in the comments and let me know which law school um, it, it was um, it came out of. But listen, CRT, it centers around this idea that racism is systemic in our nation's institutions and in those institutions that they function to maintain the dominance of white people in the society. That is CRT. Super high level, not something that is going to be discussed in elementary school, nor do I think that elementary school or even, you know, uh, grade school educators are, are teaching kids in the classroom to have this kind of shame and guilt about our past. You know, when I when I really thought about this, I was thinking, you know, a lot of the things that I do in life, I am cognizant of our ancestors. And I think about those who came before me that paved a way for me. Because of that, I hold myself to a certain decorum in order to honor that legacy. And I don't think there should be any shame around that, uh, particularly to white Americans whose ancestors did enslave black people. Um, and, and rather than feeling that guilt or carrying around some guilt, the thing is, is how do you move understanding that your ancestors were, were oppressors? And then how do you act differently moving forward to support others around you? And, and later on in this <clears throat> conversation, we're going to have, you know, more of a conversation about how you know the black race black americans are continuously destroyed victimized targeted and and, and no one really cares right like they're never the subject matter right and so i think this bill obviously doesn't speak to it's not for black people um but it, it's it's shielding the history of what really happened and it's whitewashing it in a sense. So Governor DeSantis, listen, you guys, he's up for, he's, I'm telling you, he's going to run against, he's going to run in the 2024 presidential election against Joe Biden. Um, I think he definitely stands a chance to be um, a Republican nominee, a front runner. So we'll see. I mean, we are just, we're right here. We're right here at it. Can you believe it already? All right, y'all. Um, a second woman has come out against Herschel Walker, you guys. You know, he's running for Georgia as a Georgia Republican for the Senate seat. Um, and he is running against the incumbent, uh, 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 what's his name? Raphael Warnock, excuse me. He is running against um, Raphael Warnock. Anyway, he is legitimately the pot that called the kettle black. Okay, so he's super conservative and he's pro-life. However, a woman has come out that alleges she had a relationship with him over 30 years ago and they had a relationship while he was married from 1987 until 1993, y'all, while he was married and in the NFL, honey. And listen, our good sis has receipts, baby. She even has a voicemail recording. Child, you kept it from 1993. I am scared of you, okay? Yes, Miss Dia, very, very, very messy, okay? It's messy, but to the point where she alleges that Herschel Walker and her got pregnant 
and that she initially took steps to go get the abortion and couldn't go through with it. And that he turned around and encouraged her to have the abortion, took her to a clinic in Dallas, stayed there, honey, paid for the services to ensure that she got it done. So this is the pot calling the kettle black, y'all. Of course, Herschel Walker is doubling down and saying, I don't have nothing to do with this. I told y'all it was a lie, this, that, and the third. But baby, the receipts are the receipts. Now, the receipt doesn't show that she had an abortion, but she does have pictures um, of him in like, you know, um, a hotel room during the time he was in a training camp and a voicemail message where he's just talking about how much he loves her and things like that. So, I mean, it does prove that Jane Doe, you know, because she wants to remain anonymous, that Jane Doe and he did have a relationship. So I don't know, y'all, what is this given to you? Like this to me feels like why? I mean, why would she make this up? I mean, I guess I understand why she couldn't make this up, especially if she was being paid, blah, blah, blah. There's so many angles you can think about that. But she said that she doesn't believe that he is morally fit to be U.S. senator. And that is why she is coming out now to say something about it. So listen, I'm here for it. You guys know I love some drama and some mess, honey. OK, I am here for the good tea. All right, y'all. Um, I see y'all pulling up in the comments. So glad for you guys to be here. Um, Want to give a quick shout out to Darnell. Darnell, thank you so much for sending me some topics this week. You will see them on the show right now. Um, let's talk about this, you guys. I only just found out about this this morning. Um, a community is grieving in, at Central Visual and performing arts high school. This is number 67 of school shootings that have happened on a campus this year. According to Ohio police, they're saying that this St. Louis school shooter had an AR-15 rifle, 600 rounds of ammunition and a note saying, I don't have any friends and I don't have any family. What really threw me off about this is that He's a former student, so he's 19, a former student at this high school, and he was really struggling. He left a lot of notes, emotional notes, just talking about how he never had a girlfriend, um, how he never felt socially connected, um, you know, just things of that nature, and just really felt kind of like out the loop. Well, he went into the high school and um, unfortunately killed a teacher and a 15 year old student who was a dancer, um, uh, Alexandria Bell, 15, and teacher Jean Kukukas. Sorry, I, I probably butchered that name, 61, and they were gunned down in the attack. The teacher, um, teacher Jean, she um, was said to have been stepping in front of uh, the gunman during in, during which time she was looking out for her students. So we definitely want to celebrate her for her heroism. But you guys, I mean, it's October. And how many times have I talked about school shootings just on this platform? I mean, way too many, at least four that I can think of. We talked about school shootings last week um, with uh, on the last on the last episode with um, not Nicholas Cruz, but the other one back from 2018. 
this is tragic. Um, you know, officials are also saying that the school uh, was very secure and, and that kind of contributed to why there weren't so many deaths. But when we think about the gunman actually being able to enter in, because he was a former student, he was able to find those soft spots in security. And so that really calls for uh, security maybe having to redesign their security system every fiscal year, maybe every year to switch it up after students leave. Um, but I, you know, with this kind of story, it's really checking in, right? Like this is a this is an individual um, who is living with family, and you know, we need to have more conversations with our kids and and our young people and say, you know, like what's up with you. You know, uh, at 19 years old, at 17, at 16, at 15. Listen, if you got to go through their journal and see what's going on with them because they won't communicate with you, like tap in. If you know that your child is socially awkward, tap in, you know, like really push them and motivate them to get involved and be into social environments because things like this can happen. And so even the, the shooter said that this was the perfect storm. You know, and and obviously that is no excuse as to why he did something like this. Um, but again, you know, we need to be able to protect the lives of other people. And that requires us to have a responsibility to our kids and make sure um, that they are mentally, physically and spiritually well. Would you guys agree with that? All right. Well, listen, let's take a quick break. Um, but when we come back. I want to talk to you guys about the Darrell Brooks trial, honey. Okay. I don't know if you guys were watching it, but baby, I was watching it tuned in, locked in, and he was found guilty and all 76 counts in his trial. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. Community, it's been three years since we've been able to celebrate in person at our annual evening of choice. And this year at Axis and Pioneer Square on October 19th at 6 p.m., we will be back together again, celebrating our journey, healing towards justice. This past couple of years have been incredibly difficult for our young people and our community at large. And one thing that has become clear and absolutely true is there's one way forward that brings all of us together, and that's as we heal. And when our young people heal, they're truly able to become who it is they've been purposed to be. So on this evening, you'll hear stories of our young people, hear the evolution of our organization as we emphasize healing in our cause. And together, we will celebrate another year of impact and growth as we journey towards justice together. Again, it's at Access and Pioneer Square, 6 p.m. on October 19th, and live streaming will be available through YouTube at I Choose Winning. All right, y'all, welcome back to Clapback Culture. I'm your host, Jules Jesse, and I'm so glad to have you guys all tuned in and locked in. I see it's a lot of y'all in the comments. Please keep the comments coming today. I want to interact and engage with you guys, especially on this topic. So, Darrell Brooks trial, you guys. Uh, this is the Milwaukee man who drove through the, the Waukesha Christmas Parade, killing six people and injuring 68 people um during this tragic event this was back november 2021 um and he drove his vehicle through the christmas parade and killed all these people well 
the trial started back in October on October the 3rd. I started tuning in last week and I could not get enough of it. I was fascinated by the patience of the judge. Okay. Um, and you guys know, like I'm super addicted to like criminal minds, law and order SVU, like anything that has to do with like a crime series. I'm all about that. So to dive deep in like a real crime, listen, it was unbelievable. So here's the thing. Brooks ended up representing himself. He, he initially pled uh, insanity. And then his his attorneys that were representing him said, absolutely not. He was found, uh, you know, well enough to stand trial. And the judge allowed him to represent himself in court. OK, during the entire court proceedings, he was combative. He was disrespectful. Um, he repeatedly spoke over the judge, um, badgered witnesses, made all of these outlandish arguments. Um, and of course, in true fashion, he decided that he is a sovereign citizen and that he did not want to be identified as Darrell Brooks. Um, the irony in all of this is that he didn't have a defense. And so I really couldn't piece together what his defense was, but I think he was trying to disrupt the court so much that later on he would be able to file and appear file an appeal because the record was not accurate. Um, he was all over the place. But what I can say is, Chow, he was consistent. Okay. I am deeply, deeply saddened for the families of the victims that had to sit through this trial um, because he was so blatantly disrespectful. And then to have to cross-examine the witnesses on there it was like, it was just so overly traumatic. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Well, prosecutors said in their closing arguments on Tuesday that he intentionally drove through the crowd at significant speeds and hit the 68 individuals um, that were a part of the parade. Um, and, and she says this, she says he reached speeds of approximately 30 miles per hour. That's intentional. He plowed through 68 different people, 68. So at what point did he decide that he was going to stop? So I talked about his erratic behavior. I do have a clip. It's a short one, but I want to play for you guys just a small snippet of how he was behaving. And, and and let me keep in mind, he's this clip shows him in an auxiliary court. So he was in and out of the regular courtroom because he was just so outlandish, like he could not maintain the decorum of the court. OK, so let's take a look. Do you have any requests first of all, first to the, of all, related to the jury instructions, sir? Yeah, yeah, I got I got requests. It ain't like they're gonna be honored though, because as it relates to the jury instructions, sir, what are you? I heard watching? what the hell you said, man. Well, Mr. Brooks, that was very disrespectful. Yeah, and you and I've been getting disrespected since the beginning of this whole process. So welcome to the club, Mr. Brooks. Do you have any I'm requests? I'm tired of my race being traveled around here too. I'm tired of it too. Do you have any requests as it relates to the jury instructions? Ain't nobody understand why I'm frustrated. 
how you gonna sit up here and make decisions based on what you think I said when I didn't give consent for you to do any such thing? So I understand you may be upset, and I, I really do, no, but I've made my determination. You don't understand nothing. You don't understand anything, Your Honor. You don't. Because we are, I'm going to mute him again because he's not answering the questions that I'm very clearly asking him. And I've given him five opportunities. Mr. Brooks, do you have any requests as it relates to the jury instructions? I'll unmute you for that answer. I can't hear everything you're saying. Listen, this is a small, very small snippet of hours of trial. I mean, the judge had to continuously release the jury um, just because of the things that he was saying. He objected literally over and over again. Objection, objection. Like, and, and it, none of it even made sense. Um, he's an individual who is highly intellectual, yet also a narcissist, clearly. He has this grandiose um, behavior and this grandiose idea about himself. Um, he is, you know, he comes with that sovereign citizen mentality. So he's already anti-government and anti-establishment. the So all of that is coming into the courtroom with him. Um, if you guys remember, um, yes. And Ms. Diaz says, oh, he's mentally ill. Mama Walden says he sounds like a fool, an absolute fool. But here's the thing, you guys. Initially, he was sounding like he was making some sense. And then days and days went on, you guys. I mean, this was a three week trial. And so what a lot of, um, you know, commentators have said about this is that he was doing this to drag out the inevitable. I mean, he's on video killing six people and driving, plowing his car into 68 people. So it's not as if we didn't know that it was him driving. Um, anyway, I am glad to see um, that he was charged on all 76 counts. Um, in fact, he even made an objection when the prosecutor said 77. He said, objection, I've only been charged with 76. And she was like, excuse me, 76, not 77. So that was like one of the only arguments. I mean, listen, he he delayed the process. Um, I watched a video of his mother who said that he is um, bipolar um, and that he does have these manic episodes and that he doesn't even remember driving um, into those individuals during the parade. In fact, he was out on bail, you guys, for just two weeks for allegedly driving into his baby mother. That's why he was out on bail, on a $1,000 bail, mind you. <sighs> anyway, so he, uh, he faces a mandatory sentence of life in prison for the convictions, and rightfully so. So there is that. There is another story that I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, Jaheim McMillan. Have you guys heard about this case? This happened earlier this month. Um, this is a 15-year-old boy from Goldfort, Mississippi. 
Um, and he has a he has a lot of civil rights um, representatives and organizations that have gathered around him because he was uh, shot and killed by the police. Well, there's two sides to every story. The police are saying one thing. And according to these organizers, a, a, a video from a business across the street has footage of the interaction with him in law enforcement. So here's this, well, I have a video to explain everything. So let's watch the video. It's it's very heart-wrenching um, because we do have clips of the mother who's highly emotional. Um, so, you know, just be aware of that. But let's watch this, watch the video um, and we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Tonight, the family of a teenager who relatives say was shot in the head by Gulfport police are using social media to share their pain and demand answers. The police have given one account of what happened last week, but the family still has more questions. Good evening, everyone, and thanks for watching. I'm Katie Moore. And I'm Cherise Gibson, and that family is frustrated, emotional, and that heartbreak was clear when the young man's mother broke down on Facebook Live this week. And we should let you know that this video, it is gut-wrenching. Here's Mike McDaniel. Taking her grief to social media, Katrina Mateen is dealing with the shooting of her 15-year-old son, Jaheem McMillan, who was shot in the head Thursday during a shooting involving Gulfport police. Why? It happened after police chief Adam Cooper says there were reports of people pointing guns at passing cars. He says the car those people were in was pulled over near this family dollar on Pass Road. They then fled from the vehicle. One of our officers engaged with an armed individual. Shots were fired. He was taken to the hospital. The suspect was taken to the hospital with a gunshot wound. While Cooper wouldn't confirm it, Mateen said it was a bullet from an officer that hit her son. She questions the police account of her son being armed and says the shooting left him brain dead. After a couple of days on life support, he was taken off it over the weekend, a reality Mateen hoped wouldn't happen. I feel like he's got a chance and I'm not going to pull the plug on him. You know, he can come back maybe and if he can, I'm, I'm going to give him that chance. So here's a few additional details. And if you guys pull this up, if you just search Jaheim McMillan on social media or even on the Internet, you will see that after. So there, there's two accounts. Police are alleging that Jaheim was armed and that he would not put down his weapon. Um Organizers are saying that the, the the footage from the business shows that his hands were up and that he was unarmed um, and he was shot in the head. Officers, and this is confirmed because we have cell phone footage, that while he was bleeding out of his head, officers handcuffed him and did not provide him medical attention. Can you imagine? So there are individuals who are in the family dollar that are taking pictures outside and he's handcuffed, bleeding from the head. And there is no medical attention being held by officers. So the uh, Gulfport police have not released the police body camera footage. And uh, Ben Crump, who is representing uh, the family in this case, is going to uh, file a lawsuit to get that video released. 
until that happens, we really won't be able to know everything that really went on that day. But here's the thing, you guys. If Gulfport police wanted to shut this down and 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 that and Jaheem really was armed, they would release the footage, don't you think? Don't you think they would just release the footage and be like, here it is, you guys. Um, so all this that you're doing, he was armed, you know, he brandished his weapon, officers felt threatened, take your protests home. But the police department saying, oh, we have to do a, an investigation and we have to analyze the footage. So why is it taking weeks, two weeks plus to analyze this body cam footage? There is no smoking gun, no pun intended, right? So I would like to see what is on the body camera footage. I think we're all waiting in anticipation to see what that is. And if the body camera footage does come out, that Jaheem was unarmed, what does that say, right? Because even the, mayor's, the, the mayor of this town has also backed the chief of police and said that they support law enforcement's investigation and decision in this matter. So um, organizers are calling for this police officer to not only be pulled from the force, but to be charged with murder. Um, for the death of Jaheem McMillan. So once again, um, a child is killed by police, um, another black body. Um, and so we will lift and keep his family in prayer and, you know, and really continue to push our criminal justice system in all of our states to be able to release that body camera footage. And when it does come out, I will make sure to bring this story back up for you guys. So let's take a quick break. Um, but when we come back, I am going to clap back majorly once again this week at Kanye West. You guys, I got to give you guys the update. So stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Clapback Culture. All right. It has been a busy couple of days, weeks. Child, Kanye West continuously just brings himself into the news. And while I don't want to continue to give this man a platform, I have to talk about the irony here. Okay. So let's give you guys some quick updates. Um, in early, earlier this month, Kanye or Ye, we'll just call him Ye, and that's what his preferred name is. Uh, Ye posted on Twitter um, in a sleepy tweet <laughs> that he was going to go DEFCON 3 on Jewish people when he woke up. Okay. So once he said that, uh, basically he's, you know, he's, he's making the reference of the U S defense readiness scale known as DEFCON. And he said he was going to go DEFCON three on Jewish people in capital letters. Um, the Jewish community and, and their valiant effort obviously condemned the hate speech. And you had so many of these people come out, um, against it. Well, since that rhetoric, uh, Kanye continues to double down on his anti-Semitic comments um, and all of these corporate brands and organizations dropped him. So here's who dropped him. Adidas, Balenciaga, Gap, his Hollywood talent agency, C uh, CAA, J Def Jam. Um, Skechers escorted him off the premises because they said he didn't have an invitation, so he got escorted off. 
there was an email that went out today from his school, the Donda Academy, that said that that's closing. But then another email came back a few hours later that said, actually, we're going to be open. Uh, Foot Locker pulled all the Yeezys from their stores. Um, and Aaron Donald and Jalen Brooks left his sports agency, Donda Sports. Forbes is reporting that he is no longer a billionaire, even though, I mean, he's still got enough money to take care of his kids. So that's not really a big deal for us regular folk. Um, but, and he was also banned from Instagram and Twitter, even though he is back on Instagram and posted yesterday about uh, his plans as it relates to Adidas. Well, Adidas allegedly is going to continue selling Adidas, uh, Yeezy shoes, even though they don't say Yeezy on them. I don't know who's going to be buying that. Um, but Kanye posted a screenshot to his Instagram last night uh, from what looks like to be a law firm that says this. As to Adidas, you can start to make new designs for footwear, apparel and accessories immediately. Um, as to Gap, the non-compete expires December 15, 2022. You own Yeezy, you own the Yeezy name and all trademarks associated with Yeezy. All right, so that's where we're at. And of course, there's so many other individuals that have come out and spoken against him. But here's what I want to talk about. And this is no tea, no shade to the Jewish community, because honestly, I envy their one band, one sound kind of unity when it comes down to anti-Semitic comments. But I want to have a conversation with the Black community today about this situation. Um, and this tweet sums it up. Let's put that, let's put that overlay up, Cuddy. This journalist tweeted out, um, his name is Ernest Owens. Shout out to Mr. Owens, okay? He said, before Kanye West was the face of anti-Semitism, he was the hip hop face of misogyny, anti-blackness, Trumpism, and slavery denial. And y'all still gave him contracts, documentaries, endorsements, clothing deals, and millions that became billions. Shame on you. Let's talk about this a little bit, you guys. Why is it easier to get canceled for anti-Semitic comments rather than anti-Black racist comments? Kanye West has been saying these harmful messages for years, for years. He talked about slavery being a choice. Um, he, you know, uh, he came against, he came out against the George Floyd family and said that he died from an overdose. Um, he has been spewing white supremacist rhetoric for a number of years. He doubled down on his support for Donald Trump. And yet we never canceled him. Like it wasn't until he said anti-Semitic comments that they started playing with his more his money because remember jp morgan said oh no -uh, you could take your money about this bank i say all that to say white and white adjacent americans were totally fine with the fact that kanye west was the face of anti-racism and anti-blackness but the moment he decided that he wanted to talk about the jewish community and, and say that he was going to launch DEFCON 3 on their ass, then all of a sudden, everybody is so riled up and says, oh, no, 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 it's time for cancel culture. 
But why is it that he can say that slavery was a choice, wear a shirt that says white lives matter, have all of this white supremacist rhetoric that he talked about for years and nobody is outraged. And I just feel like America has this selective outrage when it comes to black people. And again, and I mentioned this earlier, that black people are the number one group targeted in hate crimes, society to and, and society tolerates it. Like they tolerate anti-blackness in all its forms all the time. And it's, it's, it's hurtful, it's shameful. And we as a black community don't do enough to even push out our own. It's like we give him so many excuses like, oh, he's mentally ill. I can separate the man from the music. I mean, look at somebody like R. Kelly. God damn it, we knew R. Kelly was a sex offender for years, but we wanted to hear Step in the Name of Love. And we wanted to be able to separate the man from the music, even though he was a monster to our black girls. And so, Sadly, we have to take a look at ourselves and say, why is it that we continue to provide a platform for people that don't bang with us? And again, I support the way that the Jewish community comes out with, with the same messaging. When it comes down to anti-Semitism, they're not playing, okay? There is a clear line of absolutely not. Whereas black folks, we, I don't, we don't have the same line as we once did historically. I wish we could go back to the mindset of our ancestors. And again, I brought this up again. I wish we could go back to the minds of our ancestors who fought for us to even be in platforms like this. You know what I'm saying? Like who fought to say, you do have a right to vote. You do have a right to sit anywhere on the bus. You do have a right to sit and eat in this establishment. You do have a right to um, have a valued education. All of these things that our ancestors have fought for. And yet we don't rally against our own because, well, he's a genius. He's he's a, he's a he's he's feeling he's you know, philanthropic. Um, you know, his mama died, you know, he tripping, you know, he got a raggedy baby mother, whatever it is. It's like we want to take all of his traumas, package it up and say, well, maybe he'll come back around. Like it, it's like the it's you know, it's it's just it's not OK for us to continue to infuse our capital. Buy these two hundred, three hundred dollar Yeezys. This is a, he won 24, he's, he was 24 Grammy nominated. Like we're buying his music. We're going to his schools. We're wearing the clothes. We're wearing the shoes. Like we built Kanye West, who is now yay, supported the gospel album, supported him and everything. But yet when he stopped fighting for us, and made the decision that he was gonna go with a different program and a different target population that was going to support him financially. Okay, because remember, Kanye West was crying broke. 
And a lot of our black celebrities like Jay-Z got him out the hole and said, you know what? I got you. And he shitted on us. And we don't do anything but give him more platforms and watch his documentary on Netflix and, and, and give him excuse after excuse after excuse. And so while we are an outrage for his hate speech against Jewish people, because that's absolutely disgusting and he should never, and no one should never, I want to see us as outraged when it comes to the anti-blackness rhetoric, the hate speech that comes with our culture and we as a community and our allies have to really hold hold everyone accountable like why are we not digging out his pockets for saying anti-blackness comment in hate speech jp morgan didn't feel like they wanted to pull the plug on that adidas didn't feel like they wanted to pull the plug on that balenciaga didn't say they wanted to pull on that shoot and winter from vogue who was so highly offended but you don't y'all don't care about that but the one comment that he made about the Jewish people, oh, baby, he woke up the next day and lost billions, billions. And that's power. That's power. Um, and so we got to be better at not having this selection of cancel culture, okay? Like we, we really got to double down. If it's wrong, it's wrong all the time. There are no there are no forms of that. Let's stop giving people a pass for being negligent. Um, what do they say? Ignorance of the law is it doesn't mean that you can't you don't have to abide by the law. And so if we set those ground rules, then we need to abide by those ground rules. OK, well, listen, you guys, I see you guys in the comments. Cuddy, if you could just pull up a few of the comments, let's see what y'all are talking about in this feed. Because, baby, I had to unleash and unwind on that. Um, here we go. I think, let me pull up a little bit to the top. Not every state requires medical aid. It's usually a law, sick, right? Um, I'm not sure what that comment is going to, Allison, but appreciate your feedback. Um, let's see if we can just stick to the Kanye story. Let's go ahead and pull some of those up. Uh, clapping back is part of black culture. Marcus Garvey said we must clap back. The rapper culture is still charged, is still charged of our community or is still in charge of our community. I agree. We our culture needs to clap back and they need to stand firm on that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's one thing to clap back and then have no follow through. Um, I think, you know, historically, a lot of our ancestors had much more follow through. Um, than right now. Uh, Darnell says he's misunderstood. We gave him excuses. Yeah, we did. So I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels that way. You know what I'm saying? We gave him so many excuses um, and created a bigger monster. You know what I'm saying? That is, is who we see now. Let's go ahead. I mean, keep feeding me this. Okay, Carolyn, what you got to say? And every single company executive that upheld him to the bitter end are going to continue to do 
are going to continue doing the same exact thing, profit off the controversy, then sigh with relief when the person finally drops the big hammer in such a way that no one questions how quickly those ironclad contracts dissolve. Girl, you spit nothing but facts, okay? Didn't we see that? In 2020, you guys, we saw so much support rallied around Black Lives Matter that people and these executives and these organizations started changing their policies and they said, we're going to push for Blackness. We're going to push for Black Lives Matter. And as soon as that pressure dropped, listen, baby, they got relaxed, okay? And they went right back to the way things were, okay? Um, put, give me, give me three more comments, Cuddy. And then we're going to wrap up our show. <sighs> yeah. Cynthia Tucker tried to teach us about his behavior. Listen, it's been so many people to try to teach us about his behavior. And we've just been ignorant to, to give him excuses as Darnell said. Um, John Jupiter, what's up, John Jupiter? Ain't seen you in a minute. Um, right. He said all that ish about black people. And then he said one th bad thing about Jewish people. He was canceled the next day. And not only that, but he doubled down on it. Right. Like he kept going in and was like, I can say all the anti-Semitic stuff that I want. Adidas not going to drop me. But I kind of feel like he already was trying to get out of the deal with Adidas. So perhaps he got what he wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe this is the way you know, he blew it all up so he could get out of this contract. Who knows what thinking is there? But again, the argument stands that it's much easier to get canceled for anti-Semitic comments than it is for um, anti-Black comments. All right, give me one last one, Cuddy. Let's see what y'all talking about. Miss Dia, Kanye said anti-Semitic during his TMZ rant, but they edited it out and only showed the slavery was a choice comment. You know what? I was watching when, when he had that viral rant on TMZ, I caught it in its, in its live feed. And it was so much that he was talking about that you're right. He did have anti-Semitic comments. And when they decided to post the tape, they screened that part out. Hmm. Very interesting and good memory, Miss Dia. Thank you so much for that. Well, listen, you guys, um, we are close to the end of our show. I appreciate y'all pulling up in these comments today and having this great conversation with me, this banter um, this is how we make a change. Okay. I always talk about my show being my, um, my commitment to the culture. This is my little contribution to the culture. And we have to not have selective hate speech. Okay. We can't selectively cancel people. If it's wrong, then it's wrong. If it's right, then it's right all the time. And so we have to be able to stand on that at the end of the day. So I charge you guys with that action, action moving forward. Listen, Halloween is on Monday. I hope you guys have a good time with your families, friends, and neighbors. Please be safe out there. Um, and do something fun and creative, okay? Do something nice and festive. Um, until then, oh, here, you guys, I won't be back next week. Um, I am taking off next week um, 
getting ready for the baby shower and having some family and friends over. So I will not be in next Thursday, but the following Thursday, I will be back same time, same place right here on Clapback Culture. Until then, make sure you guys follow me on Instagram and Twitter at treasure of J-U-L-E-S. Pull up, follow me, send me some show topics that you want to talk about, or just follow me because you guys are just interested in what I got going on. Uh, so like and subscribe. Boop. <laughs> Until then, I'll see you the week after next, right here, same time, same place. Thank you. Peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.